Welcome to Luthier's Tale. I'm Ben Liggett, Luthier and owner of Liggett Guitars. Every week, I interview someone that is passionate about their craft. This week, I'm speaking with Eddie Wong. Eddie is a brilliant amp builder who is approaching amps from a fresh perspective. I really enjoyed our talk, and I hope you do too. Follow him on Facebook and Instagram at Eddie Wong Instruments, or visit his website, eddiewonginstruments.com. For info on my guitars, go to liggetguitars.com, or follow me on Instagram. Let's get into it. Yeah, so uh, we have a mutual friend, Scott. Yeah. Scott Eve. How'd you, uh, how'd you get hooked up with him? Oh, it's just uh, so randomly. So I, I started my business. Um, I was actually a, a school teacher, high school physics for like 20 years. Really? Yeah. And then right around 2019, I was just like, you know, there's so many other, I, I was teaching for 19, 19 years. And I was just like, I, I, there's so many other things I want to do in my life. I've been building amps like off and on here and there just for forever, almost the same amount of time. Um, really? and finally I was just like, I'm going to just go full time, just jump all in, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I left teaching and I started this business and soon after Scott, I mean, I, I've been posting like my amps on like Craigslist and he, nothing gets, gets by him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I post anything on Craigslist, Craigslist, say, Hey, is this you? Um, these days, um, but yeah, he saw, he just really liked it. He's like, Hey, there's something about your amps. You know, he, he told me he normally deals in guitars, but, um, <clears throat> he just really liked the the look of my amps and, and he came and I was just like, Hey, why don't we just meet someday? And yeah, so I guess we met through Craigslist, <laughs> which is cool. So, so uh, he's, uh, he's even way. on the, he's even on the Craigslist search. Yeah. And then he's just, uh, just really dug my amps and kind of got me hooked up. And, uh, yeah, that's actually how I kind of discovered you as well. Not not necessarily through uh scott but um he he uh when he was he really was like gave me a lot of advice just when i was starting my business uh-huh um you know because it's one thing being able to make stuff but then a whole other thing to like market and you know the other side of the business you're telling um, me <laughs> yeah so he was just like dude you got to get an instagram account and now at first i was like what's what's instagram <laughs> <laughs> i had no idea uh, but yeah, and then I, I finally signed on. I figured out how it worked. Um, um, it took a while though. Um, and I think you were one of the first people I started following. Really? Because I remember seeing, oh, what was it? Was it like the abstract? But yeah, it had yeah. like uh, inlays across the F. Well, they weren't really Fs, but they're inlays across the, what do they call F holes? Yeah. And I was like, that's just brilliant. And I remember uh, <laughs> I, almost, I almost like, when I saw that, I almost like... Wait, are we allowed to say the S word? Online? You can say whatever you want. Okay, yeah, I almost soiled myself just um, <laughs> uh, because I was like, "Wow, that that's just brilliant." Well, thank you so much. So, I wanted to ask you about the amplifiers you build. Um, are when you approach building one um, for the first time, did you attempt it like a uh, just a straight recreation of an existing amp model? Oh, you mean like 20 years ago when I started building my yeah, own amps? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes and no. So I, you know, like everyone, I, I started kind of copying other things. Uh huh. Um, so it, it kind of started because I was, um, 
you know, I was starting teaching, but at the same time, I, you know, I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. and um, I was also gigging, still gigging a lot. You know, I I I couldn't let go of it. You know, because you know, I I, I was in my twenties, so I still had hopes and dreams of <laughs> of, of making it or whatever. Um, you know, you're teaching or, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was definitely busy. Um, and you know, they they pay teachers so well these days that um, I can afford yeah. really good stuff like secondhand vendors. <laughs> right. Um, I remember just one one day I I plugged into a. Uh, I can't remember what year, 55 Tweed Deluxe. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away. Like, there's so much I was missing. Like, immediately, like, I, I sold my, um, you know, current production Fender Deluxe Reverb or whatever I was playing through. Um, and uh, I, I bought the closest thing I could, which was, um, like, a used Victoria. Yeah. And uh, and I remember gigging with that thing. And I just love the tone of Tweed Deluxe when you turn it, like, right around five or six where it just kind of breaks up really nastily mm-hmm. um and i remember playing live and the engineer was just like dude you gotta turn that down and i didn't have any pedals at the moment because i don't know i was also bullheaded at the time i was like i'm gonna plug straight into the amp um yeah i'm not like that anymore but i mean i, I still once in a while I am. but uh um and i remember i was turning it down to three and the guy was still like no still too loud i was like turn it down to two that was like the cleanest gig i've ever played in my life uh, and I was in a, in a rock band, you know, so that didn't really work out so well. Um, and so I was just, I, I went through all like sorts of attenuators and, and all stuff. And I just, just hated them. Um, so I finally was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. Cause you know, you, it's one thing to mod stuff, but you kill the resale value if you mod them, especially right. if, you, if you have some vintage gear. Yeah, I, I, I finally, like, was able to afford some used, like, top hat, and I think that really got me into it. And once you get spoiled with good amps, you can't go back. Yeah. Um, and and so I started um, just, like, I looked inside one of them. I was like, hey, I can do this. You know, I, I had a physics background, you know, because mm-hmm. um, so I understood conceptually how this whole thing works. Um, so, yeah, I, I think my first amp I built was just kind of, like, um, what was it? It was, like, a... It, it was on the verge of just blowing up. Um, it was a, a modified. It was based on a Tweed Deluxe, but or Champ, something like in between the two. Um, so it was it was running a little hot. Too hot. I gave it to my friend. He's still alive, so I, I think I think it's still okay. Has <laughs> <laughs> hasn't electrocuted him or anything? No, I'm still worried Thank something's goodness. gonna pop. But um. Yeah, and then and then. But, that's, so is that because you're going after that that saturated tone? Yeah, and so mm-hmm. I, I started using um, a voltage regulator in my amps, and that's kind of like one of the selling points of of my amps is that um, having this voltage regulator allows you to turn it into a one watt amp, so you can play at home. So if you like your Tweed Deluxe, you know I, I don't make Tweed Deluxes, but just example, if you like yeah. your Tweed Deluxe set on six, right, which is where I usually play it, um, you can turn that wattage down to one watt practice at home it's still on six so it behaves the same and then you go to your do your gig or in band practice or whatever and you turn up the wattage you know up to full blast like 15 watts and it still will behave and 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 react the same way you know no no tone suck or anything and so that was that was kind of like the thing that drew me into building my own amps it's because i didn't want to put that in in nice amps um 
So the yeah, and you know, I wasn't really rich or anything, so I had to. That was the cheap, cheapest way I could do it is just start build, making my own stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, that sounds like a very uh, a, a practical addition. Yeah, and yeah, I I can't live without it. I I barely own many other amps anymore because I just never can play it loud enough. I mean, my my neighbor. So how are, much are you dampening the voltage? Say if you're at a bedroom level yeah i think um so my you know i have like um the flagship amp i have the pulsar reverb i think mm -hmm. i measured it down to about a quarter watt if you have it all the way down whoa i mean yeah it's a different amp um you know it's a quarter watt amp you know it's not not a i think full blast it's a 15 watt amp um you know you don't still, get that still driving program. the same speaker yeah so yeah, but like it, it's still the tubes. I you know it it tricks the tubes into thinking they're still running full blast. So yeah. um, it still behaves and reacts the same, and you know it's still a good tone because there's nothing in, and that's a key for me. Is like I did, I wanted a system that didn't have anything in the signal chain. You know, like yeah. like most attenuators, you stick it between the amp and the speaker. It's in your signal chain, and that kind of sucks out a lot of the soul. I don't know. Um, so this is a modification of the signal chain or the voltage within the signal chain? Yeah, so it drops all the internal voltages where it needs to be dropped and not anywhere where you shouldn't drop it. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And then everything else is just, you know, of course, I got I got spoiled early on with nice stuff, so I, I only put nice stuff in the amps. So it's all wired with you know the, the shortest signal chain or, or, or um, amount of wire possible and, and you know top quality components and you know other things you know and then and then there's some stuff that's really you know like making amps is not just a science it's kind of an art you know because our ears just like things that sometimes don't make sense <laughs> yeah um so there's sometimes components that like maybe the cheapest one but they just sound rad um so you know I, I what really, would be an example of that like sometimes uh, capacitors are a good one, coupling caps. Um, sometimes like the the ones that were made in the old days. I mean, technology has advanced a lot in the last fifty years, but the the methods they make the olden ones are still like the kinds that our ears tend to gravitate towards. Yeah, <clears throat> you know they they have like a grittiness to them or something that less hi-fi, more gritty. Um, they just you know we we call it warm. I don't know if I don't know if it's because like the music we grew up listening to went through stuff like that and that's what we were used to hearing or I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um like today I, I was listening to a new album today <clears throat> by uh Bruno Mars and uh Anderson Pack. Oh brilliant, yeah. And uh and it's like their new super group and it's called uh God, I, I have to look this up for you because it, it's just very much like a uh, a modern recreation of like 70s soul music. Oh, sweet. Uh, Silk Sonic is what oh, it's Silk called. Silk Sonic. And, and it's, it's just really good and really reminiscent of that time. And it made me think about, I don't, I don't know if it was because everything was on vinyl and, and that kind of gives a warmth. Um, but obviously everything was played through uh, tube amplifiers back then too. Yeah. But yeah, it's like a warmth. 
and it's not that clarity. It's, it's maybe not uh, a super accurate um, sound, but it certainly sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. Makes me enjoy it a lot. Yeah. It, I think that, I mean, that it it's not necessarily, you know, like, I don't know how to put this. We don't necessarily want the most hi-fi or accurate sound you know like um i always tell people like like electric guitar is kind of a really ugly sounding instrument <laughs> like <laughs> if you if you ever plug an electric guitar into a hi-fi amp uh-huh. it it's like the most horrible sound sounding instrument out there brittle it's just i remember um my first electric guitar I ever bought i didn't have an amp this is when i was like 12 um so i plugged it into the stereo system and i Ooh. after that i didn't pick up the electric guitar for like two or three years <laughs> wow um yeah i didn't i didn't realize that you had to plug it into tube amps but yeah yeah i mean well this reminds me of uh when i was speaking with scott uh, i was t- telling him about a new amp I got, which is a, a, a tweed Princeton. And I guess what I was descri- describing it as at the time was accuracy. But I think what I meant to say was like sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it made me want to play super light with just my fingertips instead of a pick because it was just like it picked up everything. Yeah. Um. So, so maybe accuracy wasn't what I was really trying to describe, but um, what is it about tube amps that make them feel so sensitive? Yeah, I think it it's like um, the different approach. So of how to how to build a tube amp. Um, so like when when you put it like these tubes, right? They're they're not great at i mean they are good at reproducing sound but they're really good at effing up your sound <laughs> a lot also um it just it, so when you when you push it towards like the edge of of its its specs it starts distorting and you know in in tube world in electronic world when we talk about distortion we're not talking about like you know the distortion pedal like you know um yeah riff rock we're talking about um we're talking about like it it's adding harmonics it doesn't reproduce the 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 sound waves perfectly there it adds extra to it like especially yeah. in the in the edges of the the, the peaks and the, the valleys of the sound the signal um and our ears hear that as harmonics and it it, it kind of like thickens it up right and i think a well-designed tube amp has it so that you're kind of on that edge of distortion or, the, or where, where it like is about to bloom into a ton of harmonics or keep it pretty clean, like on the edge of its um, limits. I see. And so when one tube is feeding into the next tube and then feeding into the next tube and they're all perfectly, harm, you know, like um, uh, calibrated to each other, it all it takes is just like a little extra pressure on that pick or finger or whatever um, to push it into that like harmonic craziness range and i think that's that's what we feel as like touch sensitivity yeah you know like 
Um, it, it, and it is very dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, you, you can play so soft and you can play so aggressive and like the, the floor to ceiling is crazy high compared to say a solid state amp. Yeah. It, it's definitely easier with a tube amp than a solid state amp for sure. Cause it, it has that, you know, a solid state amp just kind of like when it hits that distortion range, it just clips hard. There's nowhere you can't go anymore. Um, but a right. tube will let you go a little bit more. Um, and then it, it just, it just, it fuzzes out the edges. And that, that's what we hear is like a, what we call bloom, I guess. Is yeah. The typical term. Um, yeah. And, I love that in guitar tone, whether it's, an electric guitar or an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And that, I think it, it, it translates to like acoustic, like you, you, I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about where, where if you have like acoustics with, um, where the top is just tuned just right, where you can dig in and it will start like m moving to the, you know, it'll, it'll distort a little bit, not, yeah. not in a bad way, but like it, it, in a, it just sounds different, you know, like, I guess it kind of is like distortion um, versus like a, a guitar that's maybe not as well made with maybe like the top is too thick where you can, you know, strum that thing as hard as you want, but it'll stay, it'll still sound the same. You know, it keeps clean or whatever yeah. you want to call it plunky. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's similar with a tube band where if you get that like balance just right, you know, then that's kind of where the magic starts happening. I really love, uh, like subtle um, dissonances, yeah, and where things start to like warble or oscillate off of each other a little bit. That's the kind of the stuff I, I just kind of sit there and like strum a chord. And go, <laughs> ah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I kind of I do that that same thing too. Where just just listen to that, yeah, that warble oscillate. Or even, I mean, people make fun of me, but sometimes uh, in a good tube amp, I just love to hit a good power chord. Yeah. It just, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with a power chord. No, absolutely not. If it makes you smile, <laughs> do it all day, whatever, you know. Yeah, that's kind of the point, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, In your mind, is there a, is there a vintage circuit that you think is just superior to all others? Well, that that's a loaded question. It I, is. I it's get very... in serious trouble for talking about this. Well, you know this. That's why there's Coke and Pepsi and <laughs> yeah. Fender and Gibson and Marshall and all that. Um, wow, that uh, you know, it's that's a that's almost like a mood question. You know, like what mood are you in? You know, sometimes you feel like chocolate and sometimes you feel like wine. That's true. Or, I, I have no or idea. Both. I, I usually feel like both. Um, yeah. Oh, God, that's a good question. So uh, I really, huh. You know, like a good, um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm playing politics here, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like I could answer with two, two amps. I feel like the, the Tweed Deluxe does it for me, uh -huh. but it's got a lot of problems. Um, what are those problems in your eyes? Well, I mean, it, you know, um, so, you know, Leo Fender was brilliant um, in that he could create something 
I mean, he, he definitely was a, a business person first, right? Like he used cheapest components probably, you know, a lot of decisions were made because they were just cheap and what was on hand or the yeah. lowest bidder contractor or whatever. And, but some happy accidents happen with that. Like for example, the, the output transformer is not really suited for that kind of circuit, but somehow when you put those two together, it's like, um, someone yelling into a microphone i just can't handle it it's it, something magical happens with that kind of combination um why is it not suitable is it, is it too big i think it's too small i think too small it, it was kind of i think oh who was it i can't remember what company like the triad maybe but it was like definitely just really cheap i mean not I, I'd, sorry, I'd say cheap but that you know um it wasn't it wasn't like the high end stuff that they they put in their their tweed basements and stuff. It was, it was um, you know, not as, well, you know, I, I don't know. I it, it it's like I think it's just too small for it. But because that you did that, it has a lot of like losses in just the right places. Mm. Like it it cuts the high end perfectly. In to, to at least to, to to my ears, maybe maybe other people's ears. So you know, it, it's not that hi-fi sound. It, it 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 can't handle the you know. There's a lot of internal losses and, and stuff like that. So it, it 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 rounds off the high end in just a way that sounds makes it sound big and warm. And wow. And then the it, it can't handle the 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 bass frequencies as well either. So it cuts that off too, which is perfect because you know when you're playing a band, you have too much bass. It it you you, you get you, you know you um can get muddied out a bit um but it cuts in just the right spot where it it helps alleviate that problem <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like a, a brilliant accident or maybe they did it on purpose who knows yeah yeah <clears throat> and then the complete opposite side of the spectrum is like um the old box i think the the 60s like ac30 is like one of my favorites and that Ooh. was the opposite. Like the, those transformers were made to pass as to be as like efficient as possible, and you get like the other end of the spectrum, which is this really kind of chimey, I guess is the right the tone where people associate with it. That kind of yeah, kind of crystal clear. Yeah, I like that tone too, though. Yeah, so I kind of like both, and that I think those two would probably be if I had to pick two amps to live with forever, it would be. My amps, <laughs> but uh, well, it would be one of those two. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. So, so when approaching a circuit, an amplifier circuit, um, how how do you approach it? Oh, that that's also a loaded question. I'm gonna give away all my secrets. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why well, not? I, I'll give them all away. Uh, no. Well, see, I no, am, no. I, I'm uh, totally happy with talking about that. That's awesome. Um. Good. That's a good question. It it um. So I have this. I think the perfect example is this new amp I'm releasing with our mutual friend Scott, um, of Zen Guitar Trading. So he he came to me one day with this like idea, of this perfect amp, and it was like um when the stars aligned because I was already like working on some prototypes, of a, a new kind of amp I was going to put out, um, that uses an EF eighty six which okay. was originally in those old box ones, but they quickly um, <laughs> um, got rid of those and used 12 AX7s instead. 
after a couple of years because of like microphonic issues, which I'll, I'll get into in a sec. Uh, why mine don't don't have that issues? Uh, don't have those issues. Um, but uh, he wanted like this sound and this this capability, and um, and I already had. Luckily, so I kind of think he stole <laughs> one of my possible new amps from me. Um, the, the idea, um, and I was like, okay, this kind of suits almost perfectly, except for the EL84 output tubes. That was the, the kind of the thing that I had to incorporate new. Um, but he, he, there was a few ideas I was already working on. And so um, I put his ideas in, in play and, and created this new design, but it's not really new because I've been playing with these ideas for like 10 years. Um, and put it together and created what I think is a new like masterpiece for me. Um, Ooh! But yeah, it's, we call it the quantum zen. It's a play on the physics term quantum zeno, quantum zeno effect. Um, which for the uh, those of you who aren't physics nerds like me, that's this weird effect where when you look at something like an electron, it won't it won't change. <laughs> It'll stay as is, which is really uh -huh. weird because it, it knows that you're looking at it. Um, uh it, it's freaky but uh anyways um so i i in i created this amp that is just um I mean, he loves it and i think it's a i think it's one of my masterpieces because it com i completely redo i don't think there's any other amp that i know of that has a circuit similar to this at all like there's nothing i know in my knowledge of vintage amps or current amps that do anything like what i do in this one so like um, one of the things I rethink is like you know so like a lot of the, a lot of times amp makers and no fault of theirs because you know people like vintage designs and stuff like that, but they made a lot of mistakes, um, and our tastes have changed in the last fifty years, right? Uh, especially in terms of like overdriving an amp. You know, Fender designed his amps to be as clean as possible because uh, he was going for that whole uh, big Western swing musicians and sound um so when you when you crank them up they kind of get all brit brittle and uh fuzzy and, and sometimes weird um so like i so a good example is like the way i reimagine the tone stack so normally you see an amp it has like bass and treble controls right right actually it's usually the other way like treble and bass but i i went through it's like well where would the bass control actually do the most good and also, where would the treble control do the most good? And it's usually not in the same place. And most amps put them together like one, like a unit. And it's like, like a, a filter just yeah, in one spot. Exactly. And I was I like, see. why don't we separate these two? So we have two filters in two different spots. So I, I have like the bass control really early, like right after the first preamp. Because <clears throat> that's actually where like you can really change the complete personality of the amp. You can have something like tight and crisp. Uh, or like fat and full, like, you know, like uh, old vintage or like um, CBS era fenders, right? Um, and then, but you don't want to cut the treble that early because if you do, you stop those like trebles from building up those harmonics as they pass from tube to tube. Um, but you don't, you definitely need a treble control because a piercing guitar tone is just awful. So what I do is with the troubles, like I put it really late in the circuit, as late as I can reasonably without being too stupid about it. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and so it lets the harmonics build, kind of fattens up your tone, and then you can dial back the treble 
um, later on. Um, and so now with the bass and treble controls, you can really change completely the personality amp um, just with the bass. Like it's a very different amp when you have it all the way down versus all the way up. And not only that, but it's completely usable through its whole range. Um, wow. Instead of, you know, most like Fender Marshall Vox tone controls, they kind of have like a sweet spot and kind of leave it there. Yeah. Um, but this is but like, you can get like a drastically different personality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that is kind of like how I approach it. Just like rethink where would this actually be better for current musicians needs. Fenders, sometimes they're really bassy. They sound good when you're playing on your own, like by yourself in your living room. But when mm -hmm. the moment you play in a band is too bassy, you like, you get lost in the mix yeah and so yeah, everything changes when you get on stage exactly and so all like in this i was thinking well if you just turn down the bass on this design you suddenly be, you you turn it from this big fat warm jazzy thing down to like a cutting almost brit sounding um type of, of tonality um yeah and that that's just kind of how i i approach it and just you know I, I i pay homage to the the vintage designs but i also say hey there's there's definitely more room, there's room to grow <laughs> and where, where yeah. can I do this differently that, that, uh, is more effective. Now, did you say it had EL84s? Um, yeah, EL84 power tubes and then an EF86. EF86. So was it the EF86 that replaced the 12A7s? Yeah, except it's in the second preamp stage, not the first. And that was like the okay. big mistake that vintage designs uh, made. Wow. So how did the how did the two tubes differ from each other technically, and then how does that translate to the the final recipe or the final tone? Oh yeah, that's a perfect question. So um, so you know how like um, you know among guitar players, generally prefer like power amp tube distortion over preamp you know like when you when you crank that tube amp really mm -hmm. high and you, the power tubes are starting to distort that's like people that it's just a sweeter overall kind of and more touch sensitive type of um tone right yes so part of that reason is because <clears throat> um, most power tubes almost el 84s and in uh el 34s specifically you know the, the more british we associate with British, but that that's not necessarily the case. Um, are pentodes, which means there's like five elements in them that control how the electrons flow through it. Mm -hmm. And then you know the American tubes, like six L sixes, six V sixes, they're like trying to be pentodes or what we call beam tetrode. There's kind of like I think there was a patent on EL thirty four, the pentode design or something. So to get around that, they made a beam tetrode, which is sort of mimicking a pentode. But anyways, it, it kind of does the same thing where it. When you push them, it, it kind of like the, the the harmonics that bloom out of them is kind of what, and they, they also have this natural compression to them that what we feel as guitarists feels like touch sensitivity and mm -hmm. like a sweet overdrive or sweet tone. Um, so an EF86, this little preamp tube, is also a pentode versus the typical, most, most amps have a 12AX7, which is actually two triodes so a triode just means there's three elements in it 
Pentode S5. So in EF86, when you like really push it, it kind of has that kind of power tube characteristic where it, it like blooms and it, it has this natural compression to it. And you can tune that compression. And that's, that's the really cool part. The problem was um, most people don't use it right because they're, they're copying vintage designs that also didn't use it right. Like I think Vox was like one of the first people or first famous uh, guitar amp company that, that used EF86 in the first preamp. So they, yeah. I don't think they really, so this, this is what I mean by like today's needs are different than back then. Um, they use the EF86 preamp in the first, or sorry, in the first stage, and then they gain the crap out of it. So like, you know, basically as much gain as practical. And I think the reason they did that was because they didn't really know how to wire this up. They just, from what I heard is like Vox just copied old RCA manuals. I think it was like the manual was wow. referring to like a mic preamp or something where you do want to gain the crap out of it. Um, so they did that and in the first preamp stage. And so um, then you have microphonics issues because that's a really delicate, I mean, compared to 12AX7, it's a delicate tube. Um, so it's like overwhelming it? Yeah. Like you just, you, you, it's in a combo amp. So the shaking, when the combo amp shakes, you can oh. actually hear it rattle. Yeah. And and that's because a it's in the first preamp stage and two it's they gain the crap out of it, um, so like I rethought the whole thing. Well, I don't think I was the first, but I I think I I haven't seen anybody do it the way I did it. So I put in the second stage, and the reason that's important is because now you have a tube pushing. So like a guitar signal is never going to be large enough to actually push a pentode into like that sweet kind of bloomy distortion you know you're never going to drive it hard enough so yeah. what i do is i put it in the second stage so now you have a 12ax7 that can actually push it into that sweet zone and i don't gain the crap out of it you know it actually has a very modest gain so there's you know less voltage more current which means for the way we how that how that translates is that um we feel that's touch sensitivity and then because there's it's a pentode as five elements. I can tune those five pentodes to, to actually make what I how I want it to behave. So I actually make it so it has a little bit of compression to it, almost like um, a studio compressor. Like I think, I think it's at like thirteen milliseconds or something like that. But the way it, the way it sounds um, is that it it feels like you have a little touch of compression and or, or actually how it sounds to our ears is that you just have a little extra sustain on those like high strings ah and it kind of sings out instead of just plunky you know plunks or dies or whatever um can you put a control on that <laughs> like a bloom knob yeah that's a great idea yeah that, that's in that, that's in the that's what i want on my amp okay when i order mine <laughs> <laughs> sweet a bloom knob yeah that, i actually thought about doing something like that um you know, then, but then you get into the issue of like, well, there might be too many knobs. I'm, well, I'm like a three I mean, three knob guy. I, it, if there's more than three knobs, I get I get really agitated and confused, and I don't want to go home. There was an old engineer's adage that uh, it, <clears throat> if the product still functions, it doesn't have enough features yet. <laughs> um, I you know, I really thought I was done buying amps until you explain that uh oh <laughs> now now i'm like god dang it now i need the uh now what is the name of it again the zen the quantum zen 
it's going to be coming out in about uh i think i'm going to release in about three weeks well, god dang it i'm still now i have to get one at some point yeah i haven't i haven't really <laughs> i i've hinted at it on instagram but i haven't put anything on my website or or mean it, it's been kind of um i mean scott's been helping me um he he i think he's taking over the the a lot of the marketing for this um but yeah i, I i'm just really just waiting on you know like you you probably heard there's a supply issues going on i i heard about that so i'm just waiting on some raw material and once i get those in these will hopefully be ready to go and roll out a bunch in about three three weeks or a month i think yeah Excited. you know it it sounds much more appealing to me uh getting some kind of amp that is kind of approaching things in a new way uh presenting the old sounds but approaching things in a in a way that makes more logical sense from uh from a perspective of trying to get things to operate in a um more efficient manner yeah and you know not a happy accident thing but wouldn't it make more sense if i did this this way yeah i mean kind it, of approach yeah i mean it still has all those happy accents that made those vintage amps like that kind of like cool soulful sound but yeah you know what works from the yeah from the past exactly right and then um you know i have uh the transformers are made by um brian sowers from sour sound which is also local so i, I try to you know get all my parts as usa made or local as possible um yeah and it's and his transformers are also a lot of it same thing it's basically taking these happy accents from the past these vintage mistakes maybe that sound cool but making them better <laughs> yeah um yes yeah, so i love that i dig his stuff and, and i'm really happy to be featuring his his transformers and these amps is that all he does is make transformers uh, that's where he's he's moving to now he used to make amps as well, and then he also was kind of um, doing a lot of like echo plex. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, uh, repairs and stuff like that. And but but I think um, he started making transformers. I forgot how long ago, but they were just awesome. And I think he, he I think he he's moving to just doing transformers. Um, now in this, are you? <clears throat> Are are you using a, a a smaller transformer or a, a larger one? Um, large enough is probably what I would to describe it. Yeah, yeah. So appropriate, it, an appropriate solution. Yeah, it, it's kind of um based on an old Tweed Deluxe transformer, but with more. Brilliant. And, and you know, unfortunately, my knowledge of transformers is pretty rudimentary, like pretty bad. Um, like, and and Brian described it to me and how it works. And you know, I understand conceptually, uh-huh. um, because of my my physics background, but I don't know how he puts it together. Um, <laughs> but so, but it, it, it's it's kind of like um, it has the kind of like. It, it, you know, like, um, you know how like deluxe reverbs 
became like more like hi-fi, have those big cleans type of sound. But yeah. then the Tweed Deluxes kind of have that old school vibe. And also old Gibsons, you know, just, just loves to just be pushed and just has that warm top end to it. Yeah. It's kind of like a combination of both of those. Brilliant. Yeah. On the topic of Transformers, um, I used to own a uh, an early Sun Model T head. Oh, nice. And, you know, those doubled as bass uh, amplifiers. And one of the things people on forums, you know how that goes, they would bring up that it had a, a gigantic transformer in it and that it could support... Uh, as low as 40 hertz wow. or something like that. Yeah. And and that was like a selling point. It's like, yeah, uh, hertz lower than you can hear kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, but I can only just crank up to six, you know, so often. I'm, I'm much more a bedroom <laughs> level guy these days. Yeah, every, yeah, me too. There's, there's nothing like standing in front of a, a stack of, four by 12 speakers and a hundred watt head cranking it to 12 if they go that high um, and standing in front of that thing. I mean, it's, it, it's pumping your heart for you, you know, so you're, you can relax <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I mean, how long can you do that before you, you go deaf? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's nothing like it. It's so awesome. Um, but you know, in, in, but these days, like even, I mean, my my neighbors live very close to me. Um, some people are lucky enough they they can they can crank the the thing out there. But even if you could, like, it, it's just not good for your ears. You right. know, hearing loss is a big issue, and that that's part of the reason. Also, I I made these these voltage uh, regulators, these wattage controls, so that if you don't want to lose your hearing, you don't have to. <laughs> if you want good tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's making so much more sense to me as I get older. I, I start looking at. It's smaller amplifiers. Yeah. It's not my, I don't, I, um, not quite bedroom because, you know, a quarter watt is still loud enough to keep your family up, um, you know, upstairs. Um, yeah. So like for true bedroom, I, I still have like this little Yamaha modeling amp <laughs> that, that gets really low. Someone was, it, it, you can play the headphones in it. You know, it does the job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's a true bedroom amp, and <clears throat> it's kind of funny because I have this little modeling amp, which, and then at the same time I make you know high end tube amps. But you know, yeah. different needs, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got to put headphones in, that's what you need. I mean, sometimes I'll play through, uh, or I used to a lot more, but I'd play bi through bias effects, just like plugged in to GarageBand. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you can. You can just like pick like Eddie Van Halen tone. <laughs> yeah. And then you just have it, you know, you just download it. Oh, I think I have that that same thing, except they, they don't have those proprietary names, so they, they use like um I can't remember Metalhead for um for sure. other bands. <laughs> I can't remember any of those names. But yeah. That, but talk about awesome. the opposite of uh, touch sensitivity. Yeah, it, it is pretty much on the other end. That's that's the thing that most modeling amps can't quite get right. I wonder what that is. Uh, you, do you <laughs> think it'll ever catch up and we'll be 
uh, obsolete. You think everyone will want <laughs> a modeler and a and a cheap guitar? Oh, I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> um, it will probably, but um, that's not necessary. Well. You know the way the way like technology is going, it probably, but at the same time, it's it's when you go down that route, <clears throat> you're you're suddenly playing through someone else's vision. I don't know mm. if that makes any sense, but like for example, like I was reading about how this I have this little Yamaha um, amp modeler. It's like this little tiny five watt bedroom practice amp. And I, I was uh, reading about how the designers came up with it. And then they were like, oh, yeah, they have, like, models of famous amps like Voxes and Marshalls. But they said it doesn't really replicate a Vox or Marshall because that's not actually – it's really difficult to dial in the tone you want in an actual Vox or an actual Marshall. So they kind of um, interpreted it for you. <laughs> oh. The settings are the, – the way it sounds – is not really how an actual Vox would sound if you actually were trying to dial it. it it's its own thing. It, it It's like an idealized version of a Vox, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, I mean, I well, love Vox it. It's would... so much fun, but yeah. Um, huh. So... Oh, well, um, I, I wanted to ask you, um, you also build guitars. Yeah, I, I try not to advertise it too much. But yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> Well, you have a gallery on your website, all right? Yeah, it it, <laughs> it, it came about similar reason for my amp um, obsession is because I I like nice guitars, but I couldn't really afford them, so I started making my own, like I don't know how many years ago, ten, twelve years ago. Yeah, and I learned a lot, and they're difficult um, to make, but I think I got. An, good enough where the playability is on par with you know the high-end stuff um and but being able to make it myself i get to control what kind of like woods i use and uh the sound or tone or construction i i you know gravitate towards sure so i, I mainly make it for myself but sometimes i'll make two at a time and then i'll, I'll sell one <laughs> Yeah. Usually the better one I'll sell. This is this is my per I, I kind of keep the worst stuff for myself. Um I I understand that cuz I don't want other people to have stuff that I not as happy with. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, no. I I completely understand. Yeah. I remember one of your Instagram posts that I was like, wow, this guy gets me. Um, what was it? <laughs> oh, it was also the abstract. It was, uh, I think you showed the inside, the, the chambering. Yeah. And it was kind of funny because I had independently, before I even saw this, kind of had the same ideas in chambering where there's like a big block right under where the bridge is. Yeah. And then the tail has like a little thing that kind of extends, but the rest is kind of like all hollowed out and also like really th thick sidewalls. Yeah. Yeah, I have um I I'll probably I'll have to send you a picture, but like like I I had this idea, I made it, and then I saw your Instagram post. I was like, oh, someone else came up with the exact same idea. Oh. <laughs> uh 
but it, it has like the same thing where it has that big block right in the bridge, thick sidewalls, you know, cause my, when this is kind of like how I approach amp making, but also guitar making, I was like, I want it to be a hollow body, but I also want it to sustain and have that punch like a solid body. Right. And I was right. like thick sidewalls because it can transfer energy better. Yep. It, it, but you get that chamber effect. Um, and I was like, and I thought I was so brilliant. Um, and then I, I saw your thing. I was like, either I'm not as brilliant as I thought, which is true. Um, uh, or, but you, I was like, yeah, this guy gets me. <laughs> he, I, I, well, I get what he's what doing. What do the comedians call it something when they come up with the same, the same premise? Oh yeah. Independently. Uh, I forget what they call that. What'd you use for a block? Oh, I just, I, I carved it out of one piece. So I just hollowed out the chamber, um, carved, routed it out. So it's, it's all one piece. Like, um, I think the one I have right now is Alder. Uh, -huh. um, yeah, but be it, great for it, it. it, it sustains as well as I have a Les Paul. It sustains as well as that almost as well. Yeah. Like it's like a fraction of a second shorter. Um, and it's also the, it uses a telly style bridge. So it has a string uh -huh. through the body thingy. So maybe that helps a bit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, there's all these people on, especially on forums, right? Back on my topic. Um, yeah. Or like, oh, tone woods don't make a difference. It's like, well, you're not really thinking about the physics of it. Because um, I, I think about the physics of it. So like the, the string, you know, if tone wood didn't make a difference, then every time you pluck a string, it would just be a perfect sine wave. Yeah. But the strings are anchored to the body. So when the body vibrates it and where the nodes of the vibrations are reflect back into the string. And that's how I was thinking about it. I was like, how do I want to make it so that it reflects into the string a certain way? And I, that's where I was like, okay, I want that block because I want the body to act like a unit, but I want that kind of chamber effect. So like the, the top and the back kind of vibrate a little bit separately from each other creating two yeah. extra different type of vibrations but i don't want it to like plunk like some hollow bodies can so i was like thick sidewalls you know <laughs> yeah um because that that would make the whole thing stiffer you know being in part you know my physics has a lot of bleeding over in engineering do you have time for <laughs> another question i don't want to keep you too long oh no absolutely i got all the all the time in the world Just... okay i wanted to ask you about um floating baffles do you ever experiment with that? Oh yeah, I I, I love this topic because it's it baffles me. Very pun intended. <laughs> um, but, uh, I I have been experimenting a lot um, with floating baffles and and fixed baffles and hybrids. So like my latest experiment was actually um, a fixed baffle, but it's only attached to the cabinet with these like in the four corners. Uh -huh. And they're only attached by these like uh, one, two inch dados. The uh -huh. dados into the cabinet on four corners and they're only like two inches in. So is the there rest... like an open slit along? Yeah, the... it's almost like an acoustic top, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like slits on the top, bottom sides. I like the idea of that. It... How, what do you think of it? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, no, I don't hate it. But next to the floating baffle, the other design I made, um, it it's okay. 
it, it's different. You know, again, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just different. I mean, I can, I can hear the, um, it, it shakes the cabinet a little bit more. So there's a little bit more of the pine. I use pine for, um, the cabinets. Uh, Beautiful. That, that, that makes a huge difference. I think, oh, especially yeah. in speaker cabs. Oh, and by the way, I, I handpick all my pine. Like I literally, there's this one where wood warehouse, like they literally just stack all their pine. Um, they have these huge stacks of it and you know, they have a few different kinds and I obviously go for the high expensive quad pile. Yeah. But I, I go, they have like hundreds and I literally just like pull one off the shelf, look at it, check for knots, tap it, doesn't sound right. I put it back, I put it on the floor, I pull out another one and I, I'll be there for like an hour or two. And people walk by, give me weird looks <laughs> like, what the heck is, why is he tapping the wood? Um, yeah. But like, and I'll the same come out thing with like eight. By the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So, um, but I mean, these are just for like pine, you know, for what most people use to like build houses or whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, so they're, they're pine cabs. Um, and I, I've, I've, I've tried a whole bunch and the, the latest thing, and this is in the, the, the one that I found sounded the best is what I actually put in the new quantum Zen is, um, so the way like traditional fender does it is they, they have a, a baffle, which is made of baltic birch plywood uh-huh. and they have a pine cabinet and it's screwed into the pine cabinet right usually like on two sides or maybe the top and bottom or side to side um and it's just screwed in with wood screws um, how thick is it usually the the pine cabinet or the screw or the the baffle the, the baltic birch um 0.36 inches okay I think because it's Baltic, they, they go in millimeters. So I think it's like six or nine millimeters. I can't remember. Um, I got you. Uh, um, but I have this uh, new design I experimented in, in, and I'm putting it into the Quantum Zen is um, instead of, so I, I use um, T-nuts because, well, I, I just like them. Um, I, don't like, I don't like the idea of screwing into the wood because, you know, what if the wood loosens or, or pulls out or you strip it, whatever. Um, so, but I, I want a more secure, like, uh, I don't know how to explain this. So I, I, uh, carve a groove in the front. So the, the quantum Zen actually has a front panel, like a pine with a, with a speaker hole or, uh, uh, no, cut out, not a speaker hole, cut out. And in the front panel, which is also finger jointed into the, the cab. So the whole thing's finger jointed. Um, I, I, I put a. Uh, I don't know how deep it is, a groove, maybe about an eighth of an inch groove on the top and the bottom where I make a bar of pine that I glue into that, but it has T-nuts behind it. So the T-nuts are actually set permanently inside the cabinet. Yeah. And then I have the baffle screw onto that with like... From, from the inside. In from the, the inside. So you don't see anything on the outside. Right. I, um, I would hate to be the one that has to repair this. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was like the what exactly what i was going for where it has this like big again there's that word again bloomy natural reverb to it but without all the weird resonances that sometimes if you fix a a baffle to the cabinet will create and and it's a it's only attached at the top and bottom is that correct right and baffle on on the sides how much space 
do you have to lose? Um, just so enough actually, to not rub, or so the, the the quantum zen is actually there's a front panel with a cutout. So, um, and I think this is the key to it because it has a front panel. There's more pine box that vibrates and uh -huh. acts like a speaker, you know. Um, and so the baffle is behind this, this cutout. So there's not really any space to the left or right. I mean, I guess there's um, maybe half an inch between the the right panel and the left panel, the size, I guess. But it, it's completely inside that that cutout, similar to like how like um, the old wide panel Fender tweeds were made. Yeah, there's something about floating baffles that just it's like the it's almost like a bolt-on neck. It's like the right frequencies get passed from one part to the next um and it filters out other frequencies that maybe you don't want well hey thank you so much eddie well cool well thanks again for for having me and and chatting <laughs> <laughs>